Hello, I'm DJ Evil Dave. And I'm Dr. Brandy Sexy Voice. And you're listening to the Dark Corner Podcast. Brought to you by Gentleman's Grindhouse Records.com. Picking up after it's over. Shrapnel confetti soldiers. We've given all we've got. Sleep, walking, or waking. Days can be forsaken. Not Guys, we're back. And we're front. Yes, and we're side. We're top and bottom. We're in and out. We're through. We're over. We're under. We're around. We're both dead and alive. Oh. Ooh. Until we are observed. You don't know which one. Yeah, we're both a wave and a particle. Oh, yeah, bitches. Just <laughs> like light. Uh. <laughs> it's us, your hosts, the Dark Corner Podcast. Podcast? <laughs> The Dark, Dark Corner, Corner Podcast. <laughs> that over there is Brandy. And that over there is Dave. And we're here to record an episode, as per usual. Yes, we both have headaches and we're both tired. Yeah, this this seasonal change of weather is doing me in. Yeah, it's hot and cold and hot and cold and hot and cold and hot and cold. Yeah, and my ear is like plugged because of it. Aww. I'm sorry. So I'm like partially deaf. I'm partially deaf all the time. Yep, so welcome so to my world. I'm, I'm living. I'm living in your skin. It's quite comfortable. Kind of gooey. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Are you calling me chubby? I'm pulling a Silence of the Lambs on you. Is what I'm doing. Oh yuck. Yep. That's that actually made me feel or physically me. ill for a second. Yep. So please let's not continue to go Put there. Lotion on it. Skin it it's the hose again. Oh my god! Would you stop? Okay. Right. Uh, stop. Yes, we're here. Yeah. And stuff. And things. <laughs> We're Let's get into some start. reviews because we really don't have any news or obsessions. Yeah, so so re- news or, re- or oh, just reviews. I do have news. Martin Atkins, drummer for Public Image Limited, founder of Pig Face, drummer for A Killing Joke. Followed me on Twitter out of nowhere. What the hell? I wasn't even following him first. I oh. didn't even know what his Twitter handle was. Oh my god. But I did post about him long ago, so I think his whatever bot he uses to find followers. Yeah, he just followed me out of nowhere, so that kind of put me on the uh, the old bunny hole. Except saying rabbit hole. Bunny hole of uh, going back and into some of his music. I've been posting that to my DJ Evil Dave web page on Facebook. Sweet. Should find some more. Find a pig based tune. Indeed. To post. Because there's some bands I didn't even know he was in. Murder Incorporated. Huh. Yeah. Drummers are cool. Drummers are cool. And he's he one of the coolest. Yeah. He teaches drums. He's That's actually his main thing now. He doesn't slap people, does he? I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think he does the whiplash thing or whatever that is. It was whiplash. Yeah. Did I hesitate or was I early? Did I hesitate or was I early? He does experimental drumming and. Placement of microphones, you do that kind of thing. Go set this microphone against the wall and get a bit more reverb out of your drums and that sort of thing. Interesting. And just experiments with it. Uh, tape loops, he was into that for a little while. Cool. There's yeah, a pig face album where they do a lot of 
tape looping and you can hear the tape rewinding. That's just part of the music because of the raw energy of going, <laughs> especially doing samples like somebody will talk and then you're and they'll rewind it and play it again. So yes, Martin Atkins followed me out of nowhere. And that was very exciting for me. That's very cool. Yep. So that's my news, my noose that I'm going to hang myself with. He's a sleepy cat. He's got furry toes. Okay, so let's go on to reviews then. Reviews. Uh, which, where do you want to start? Uh, let's start with the beginning, with A, American Gods. American Gods. I like the second episode more than the first, though it's still super stylized. I feel like the second one was better. It wasn't so heavy with stylization, because the first one, when they're doing that opening sequence, I'm like, okay, this is over the top. Yeah. You really don't need to show this, and... It's not impressing anything further upon me, except that you don't need to be doing this. It's so over the top, it's now mundane. Because mm-hmm. the whole big battle in the beginning and yeah, know, all poking out their eyes and all that shit. And I'm just like... Yeah. People getting gutted. Yeah. It's like, I don't actually uh, need or want to see this. I have this thing called an imagination. <laughs> and so I don't need everything laid out right in my face. Yeah. So sometimes what you don't see is better than what you actually do see. But whatever. But um, I like the guy playing Shadow a lot. Yeah. I mean, he's he's the reason to watch, I think, because everybody else is just a peculiar character that he encounters. Well, that's because they're yeah. all gods. Yeah. <laughs> he's just our cipher, I suppose, and experiencing all these weird happenings. Yeah. Basically, life is shit on him. It's hard to ground that series. It is hard, and that's why you have to do it through Shadow. Yeah. Who sometimes thinks he's going insane. (laughs) Yeah, and who can blame him? I like the media god, the one that controls television. Mm -hmm. The Lucille Ball thing, which I remember from the book, but the actress they got to do it did a very good job, I think. She was really good. Yeah. Really good. Because she was not over the top. Right. That's the only way I can think of to put it. She was not a caricature. That's the word I was looking for. So... It's very impressive. And uh, I loved seeing Cloris Leachman again. Huh. Yeah. I love me some Cloris Leachman. That lady's still kicking it out. Do you know what gods those are supposed to be? They're like some old Russian gods or something. I could look them up, but I'm not going to take yeah. the time to do so right now. But I'm sure that I could. We could both. Yeah, there seems something Nordic about them. And I'm sure that there's somebody listening who's going, who's just shouting into yep. their iPod or other electronic device on which they listen to podcasts. And saying, it's such and such, you idiots. So don't shout at us. Just send us an email or a Facebook message or tweet at us. Just, you know, correct us. It's fine. We admit we don't know. I suspect it'll get better once more and more of these narrative strands start getting weaved in. And they will. They'll all weave together. Because we've both read the book. Although it has been some years. Yes, it has. I definitely felt like if you go solely by the first episode... You're going to miss out because if you don't like the first episode, I still say watch at least one more and then see how you feel. Because sometimes the first episode of something is not always indicative of the series as a whole. Yeah, the slave ship opening for the second episode. Oh, that was great. Yeah, that's a really good scene. Is you got a bug? (laughs) Our mighty hunter. He He is so quick and he sees things we don't. Did you get it? 
Can he eat it? (laughs) (laughs) He's sticking his arm into the sofa cushion. Yep. Silly. I'm enjoying it so far. Actually, enjoy is not necessarily the best word because we're still on the fringes of it because Shadow is still on the fringes of it. Right. He's still learning what is going on. So we're taking the journey with him. Difficult to find a likable character in the series. Well, and I actually like Screen Shadow better than I liked Book Shadow. Right. So, because I never identified with Shadow at all in the book. I know he was supposed to be the human link there, but I just never felt it. But this Shadow is much more... He's charismatic. Real. He's charismatic and he's real. Yeah. I mean, you can... He's flesh and blood. He's, he can see him as a real person. And maybe that's a good thing about actually doing this as a series, is that I can actually feel sympathy and empathy for this character, which I didn't really before. Right. So... And it's not to say that Shadow's a bad character. I'm not saying that at all. It's just that I just felt so distant. Like, I, I was just agreed. not involved in this at all yeah american gods as a book is it's more like an intellectual exercise than a narrative story it's kind of like that but yeah. Uh, yeah we're gonna continue for now and decide after each episode if we're going to continue yeah because uh, i think that that's fair you know if one of us ends up not wanting to watch it the other one can, and the other one does the other one can still watch it you know it's all yep. good okay uh it was a lot of season finales yeah especially for the dc shows yeah and our one marvel show yep but really, when you have a show that good, do you need any more Marvel shows? <laughs> Shield! All the DC shows had season finales, except for Legends of Tomorrow, which had theirs a few weeks ago. Yeah, and I could see that because their tone was different than the other ones. Well, and they were still, they, they just had them airing earlier because yeah. they would have ended at the same time if they were all airing in the same schedule. But they ended up moving it around and putting it on Tuesday night. And then showed episodes of that when no, none of the other DC shows were having new episodes. And so they ended earlier. So Supergirl. And Supergirl ended the way that I really hoped it didn't. Yeah. Really didn't want it to end that way because I love Mono. I love Chris Wood, who plays Mono. <laughs> I think he was so great on that show. So adorable and adorkable and just... He was my favorite thing about this past season. Well, he's a spoiled little rich boy who's trying to change his ways into being somebody who's actually helpful and compassionate. And you can see his story arc Mm -hmm. just playing out. And the person that he becomes throughout that season is you you get to watch his journey. And whenever he wasn't in the episode very much, I was always disappointed. I'm like, come on, I want some more mono. Yeah, there's a few that were very light. Give me some mono. Gimme. Gimme, gimme, gimme. So... Plus, he's really hot, so that doesn't hurt. <laughs> I think there was a scene in one of the episodes this year where uh, he had his shirt off, and I'm like, oh, please do not put that shirt back on anytime soon. Please do wander around the apartment shirtless for a little while. Oh, damn. He mm. put it back on. Got to see Superman again. Yep. Did get to see Superman again. That made me happy. Tyler, whose last name I can't pronounce, but I want to call it, say Hecklin or Hocklin. I'm not sure because it's H-O-E. <laughs> Hecklin? It's hard to say, but he's he's a great Superman. He's a great Clark Kent, too. And the return of Cat Grant. Oh, that was glorious. Mm -hmm. That made me super happy because I missed her. Yeah, she brings a certain energy and a certain tone to it that just was absent in her absence. Yeah. So is she back to stay? I certainly hope so. I don't know. I really hope that she I don't know if they made a deal... Where she could film there, because I think she left because they were filming in Canada and she didn't want to move. Well, and who can blame her? Yeah. You know, sometimes you don't want to go that far to work. But then, I don't know. 
I don't know what the case is, so. I was thrilled to see her. Terry Hatcher played a great baddie. I still feel like there was definitely an inequality between how older women are supposed to look and how older men are supposed to look. Oh, certainly there is. And it bothers me greatly. Yep. Um, what can you do? <laughs> yeah, Terry Hatcher looking good. Botoxed within an inch of her life, probably, but... Because it just seemed like her face didn't move that much in the earlier episodes. It certainly did not. It got better as the season went on, and yeah. she became a lot more expressive. So. Oh, it was it was the Botox wearing off, apparently. I, I guess so. She could finally unfreeze her eyebrows. Yep. It ended with uh, them having to poison the Earth's atmosphere to the Daxamites, which is, uh, they seeded it with lead. That can't be good for humans either, it really. Isn't. It really isn't. Um, <laughs> There's a whole episode of Cosmos about lead poisoning and how it used to be in our gas mm-hmm. it used to be in our paint mm-hmm. and it was everywhere and it would it latches into your bloodstream and eats away bits of your brain and crap it's not good for you well it's lethal to daxamites very yep. very quickly and so monel had to leave mm-hmm. they sent him off in supergirl's spaceship and then he went into what looked like a wormhole so hopefully he'll pop up in another universe yeah. maybe the arrow slash flash universe. Yeah, I could see him being part of Legends of Tomorrow. I could see him popping into that because his his style of character fits that group. I just am going to miss him so much because I really liked the character and I enjoyed watching the actor. He straddled this strange line between being hot and nerdy and that is a hard line to walk and mm. he walked it perfectly. <laughs> just perfect. Yep. That makes me sad. Apparently all the DC shows just want me to cry my eyes out. Yeah, they all had pretty sad endings. Well, we haven't watched Arrow yet because I just wasn't emotionally capable yeah, of it Yeah, I imagine that one's pretty sad too, but we'll see. So, speaking of other DC sad endings, finales I should say. Season finale, not series. Season finale. Um, the Flash. The Flash. Is it bad of me to be turned on by Evil Barry? <laughs> the ability of the actor to be able to do that, I'm like, oh, be still my heart. It's, it's a side of the actor we haven't seen before, so it's an interesting interpretation of his emo hairstyle and the scarred face and just how kind of sinister he is. Yeah. And tortured. That tortured thing can get some, somebody pretty far, I think. Indeed. But it's not always necessarily convincing, and it was just really convincing yep. for me. Oh, by the way, spoiler, um, Savitar is Barry, Time Remnant Barry, and it's a whole paradox thing that makes my brain melt. So they just seemed bound and determined to get rid of every new Harry that they put on the show. <laughs> I think it's a going trend because the actor likes to play different characters. And he's good at it. And so to play different versions of the same person is very interesting and ties into that whole multiverse scenario that the Flash does. I was like ugly crying when HR died. Hell yeah. <laughs> ugly crying. I was like, Happy Fisher. <laughs> Makes you wonder if one of the older eight whales are gonna is gonna stick around. Number two from well, I should say I call him number two because he was the second Wells from Earth Two. So number two from yep. two. He said he would stick around because Barry had to go back into the Speed Force. Oh, that's right. He's now a prisoner of the Speed Force. So is, to speak. is he a prisoner? Because they say it's like hell, but the last time he was there, it was like home. So maybe he's the one that's supposed to be there. Hmm. 
Yeah, but he has to come back because there are future things that haven't happened yet. Anyway, uh, that was difficult. And it was nice to see uh, alternate Earth J Garrick again as Flash. Oh, yes. Coming out of the Speed Force. There was there was a lot of, uh, yes, moments in that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. Well, the whole hubris of thinking that Vibe would create this canon to work for Savitar. It's like, mm-hmm. of course he's not going to, and you're not going to know because you're not an engineer and you won't pick up on what he's done to alter the device. Well, of course, and he won't know that that's what Cisco's going to do because everything that he knows about the future is based on Barry's memories. Right. Because he has all of Barry's memories. Because he is Barry. He is a version of Barry. Yep. Because... You know, other Barry didn't know what was going on. There's no way that he could have known that Cisco was going to do that. And I said, even Cisco's not going to fix that the way they want it to. <laughs> he's going to do something to it because he's fucking Cisco. Yep. He's smart. And he did exactly what I had anticipated he would do. But it was still the, oh, yes, moment. Rawr. So I do enjoy those in my superhero shows. Indeed. So. But uh, yeah, there was ugly crying during that. Well, there was ugly crying during Supergirl as well. <laughs> I'm an ugly crier. Uh, let, I let the feelings just flow out, but I do try not to sob out loud. You'd be easily tempted to the dark side. Would I? Isn't that the whole let your feelings flow? Of anger and hate? Yeah. Um, this is not where that stuff comes from. It okay. doesn't come from anger and hate. <laughs> it comes from empathy, you goober. Goober. <laughs> so, anyway, those are those are reviews for... Well, there's another review, but it's coming later. Oh. <laughs> 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 anyway, so, Dark Track of the Fortnite. Dark Track of the Fortnite comes from a metal band metal. called A Light Divided. They have played the Warp Tour, I think, back in 2009. They're from North Carolina. Really? Uh, they were founded in 2007 and consist of JC on vocals, James on guitar, Adam on drums, Mike on bass, and Doug on guitar. And they describe their music as basically what they want to record, which is too soft for the hardcore scene and too hard for mainstream radio. <laughs> and the song we have is got a wonderful title. It's There's No Time for Love, Dr. Jones. And imagine you all know what that's a reference to. Um. <laughs> Gee, could it be Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? Ooh, I certainly could. So this is A Light Divided with There's No Time for Love, Dr. Jones.
Ta-da. I actually really liked that. It it reminded me of, it didn't sound exactly like, but it reminded me of Coed and Cambria. Uh, yeah, the structure and even the vocal style are The vocal is style especially, yeah. yeah. Which is not a bad thing because uh, it made me feel at home. And it goes interesting places for a song. It doesn't just be the, that one thing. There's this little piano break in it and there's the kind of electronic intro. You mean it's progressive? A little bit, yes. <laughs> and I like it a lot. I yes. like the, the vocals as well. Very melodic. Indeed. Yeah. But I do see the Coheed and Cambria comparison. Or you hear it. I hear it. (laughs) Yeah, it was very enjoyable. I'm Barbara Gray, and don't tell me how to do my job. Just do it for me. (laughs) I'm Brandy Posey, and every day is 420 if you're too high to flip your daily inspirational quotes calendar. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Tess Barker, and I really hope I'm just hungover, and this isn't the new me. (laughs) (laughs) And this is Lady to Lady. Can you keep a secret? Neither can we. For everyone, that's the fucking best. Come on, baby, it's time to hang out with your favorite ladies, ladies and ladies, ladies and ladies. Shazah! You want to get into the point? Yep, let's do it. All right, we watched Wonder Woman. Yes, I decided to break my no more DC movies rule. And go see it because, not only because Wonder Woman, but also because Chris Pine really super won me over again on that episode of Saturday Night Live. I mean, technically he's my first Chris because Princess Darius, too. <laughs> That's um, right. Yeah, he was the prince in that, wasn't he? He wasn't a prince. Oh, what was he? What he was... he was part of the royal family ah. on the male side, etc. Right. But he wasn't technically a prince, I don't uh-huh. think. Uh could have been. Anyway, long story short, he was my first Chris. Yes, 2004, that movie. So we thought, okay, we're going to end up seeing it. And so we went to see it today. Came out yesterday. We went today. And of course, we got luxury seating because we're not idiots. <laughs> yes. And uh, it was a pretty full theater. It's not as full as I expected, but then it was no, early. It was, uh, today was really not that busy anyway. So it's a weird Saturday. I think a lot of people are out of town. Yeah, school just got out, so maybe that, that has something to do it. with it. But... Yeah, we saw a few trucks hauling boats, so I think a lot of people are in vacation mode. Oh, good E. Um, what's that, a vacation? What is that? <laughs> I don't know what that is anymore. Yep. So, yeah, so let's talk about Wonder Woman. And there will be spoilers. So Yeah, if we're you... just going to talk about the whole film. Yeah, if you don't want to know what happens in the film, and I sincerely don't want you to have spoilers if you haven't seen it yet. Right. Because I think it's best to go in without an opinion and just let the movie flow over you and wash over you and then see how you feel about it. But let's go. Let's go. I love the Paradise Island stuff. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the Amazons, their training sequences, the horse tricks, yeah. the costuming. We didn't even know that Robin Wright was in this movie until we saw her on Colbert. Yep. <laughs> like, oh, Robin Wright's in this movie. Well, let's definitely watch her kick ass because I love me some Robin yeah, Wright. she looks really cool. Yeah. As the general. Very impressive. And speaking of older women, both the queen and the general. Indeed. They had really cool look to them. Yes. They were both 
lovely women. Yep. And they just owned their maturity. Yeah, and they were hardened too, so they had the look of of warriors. They did. They had the look of women who'd seen too much. Yep. So it's interesting because depending on what origin you want to go with, um, Wonder Woman is an Amazon, uh, but she's technically not because she was made of clay and brought to life by Zeus. Yep, that's the one they went with for this yeah. interpretation is the, the molded from clay and then gifted with life by Zeus. Which makes her, in her youth, the only child on the island. And they point that out, but she was supposed to be in school and instead had ran down to watch the training. Yep, was mimicking their movements, yep. etc. Just so. got that sense that she always knew what she was supposed to be, mm-hmm. even if her mother wouldn't tell her. There's it's nature versus nurture, but you get the feeling as you come to the end of the movie that this is what Zeus always intended. And since he's a god... <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Fight Zeus? Oh, yeah. People already did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is a war between all the ancient Greek gods because Zeus had created man and Ares grew disgruntled regarding that because he was there jealous. was supposed to be this, this great creation and art and love and all this stuff. And so Ares, the god of war, influenced man to start wars between themselves and to have the same feelings of jealousy and greed that he did. And so Zeus sent the Amazons Mm -hmm. who calmed the men's hearts. And for a while there was peace. And then Ares got around that. Yeah. Because Ares is a dick. Yeah. The, the men enslaved the Amazon women. And then there was a rebellion led by the queen who is Wonder Woman's mother or Diana's mother. Hippolyta. Yeah, Hippolyta. Yeah, all the names I'm not going to remember. But yeah, Ares had killed off all the gods, and then it was just between Zeus and Ares when Zeus used up the very last of his power to strike down Ares. And then I guess it was just a waiting game for Ares to return. And yeah. the Amazons, their, their role in life is to await that time where they can strike him down and mm. rid the world of Ares forever. I'm not going to say for once and for all because you hate that phrase. I really do hate that phrase. It is overused and I heard it in yep. almost every fucking season finale of this year. I think it's, I can't remember who it was that says it, but I'm pretty sure it was Hippolyta that was talking about how they were supposed to be the guardians of men and protect them, protect yes. the rest of the world. What were they doing then? Keeping to themselves on Paradise Island. Why were they hiding? That was Hippolyta's whole yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. That was Hippolyta's thing. Is she loves Diana so much, but she knows what she's destined to do and doesn't want her to leave the island. Wants her to stay there and be her daughter for as long as possible. Because once Diana knows who she is, she's going to go out and defend the world against war and death and all that stuff. And that's what eventually happens. And well, and See, that for all her machinations... Diana still left. Yeah. Now, wouldn't it have been better to support her that whole time? That was really selfish of Hippolyta. It was, but that's also that dramatic hook. I know, and I get it, but I'm just, I get so tired of parents thinking they know what their children mm-hmm. should do. Yeah, that, that just added a, a piece of drama, because if she had supported her all along, I think you could have shortened the Paradise Island stuff by a lot, because there would have been no conflict. This is true. There would have been none of the young Diana sneaking out to watch training or to train with her aunt. 
and and then we did we did want that color for just a while longer because once yeah. Diana leaves, it's just all grays. Well, at least there's a reason for the gray this time because yeah. it is set in World War One, and pretty much it's all muddy browns and grays. Mm-hmm. Especially London because that was the, during the time of the Industrial Revolution, and that is what London looked like. It was just all gray. Yeah, it was all soot from the coal. Yep. And then, yeah, No Man's Land, that would just be mud, muddy brown because of all the shelling. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't see any green. Nope, there's no green left. Yep, just metallic gray and muddy brown. Yep, yep. And there's a few other pops of color here and there. Yes, there are. But uh, for the most part, it is a very gray movie. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a film of two halves. You got the Paradise Island stuff, and then you have the War Zone stuff that follows. And now I know what Chris Pine looks like naked. There are some healing <laughs> waters, which I thought, am I stealing from my du- Dungeons and Dragons ideas? <laughs> Guys. I'm pretty sure they're not, sweetheart. Even the way it was glowing, no, it's something I've seen before. The yeah. glowing blue healing waters. We've all seen that. Yeah. So, But that, that was funny, because she just walks in on him, and she doesn't care about him being naked, but yep. he cares about him being <laughs> naked. And so he's got a hand covering the, the, the junk, the junk, <laughs> but we got to see everything else. And that was fine with me. Yeah, when he walks down the stairs, covering up his junk, that got <laughs> some laughter from the it crowd. Was because it was funny. It was mm-hmm. awkward and he played it perfectly. And she goes, what's that? And he's going, uh, uh, uh. And it's, then she uh, to uh, his oh, watch. you mean this, my watch? <laughs> it's like, what? That little thing tells you what to do? He's like, well, basically, yeah. It's interesting because Diana is very intelligent. Right. It's but just, she doesn't have a lot of practical world yeah. of men knowledge. No, because she's been secluded on this island of women for all this long. Even though she's studied, she knows what men are, and she's you know studied the classics and all this. But yeah, once she's off the island, there's some things to get accustomed to. It's the whole Thor thing. It's the fish out of the water. Mm-hmm. But I think they, they treated that respectfully. I don't think they overly dumbed her down. Oh, no, they didn't dumb her down. Yeah. And they didn't make her too naive. She catches on quickly. Yeah. And uh, they're, you know, she's practical when they're trying to dress her up into, you know, some modern clothing. Yeah. Seeing if she can kick and yeah, fight in like, it. You can't fight in this or it's itchy or I'm choking. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you need something that's flexible enough that I can move in. Yeah. And eventually decide on something and then give her a pair of glasses. <laughs> yeah. Puts the glasses on her and Etta. Oh, thank you for including Etta, guys. And she's like, oh, yes, that makes her not the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, the whole... Sarcasm. Yeah, <laughs> that weird sarcasm. trope of putting glasses on a woman makes her ugly and plain. It's like, no. No, sure doesn't. Sometimes that can be the, the thing that makes them the sexiest, like with Felicity Smoke. I prefer her with the glasses on. Mm-hmm, definitely. Those glasses do get broken pretty damn quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah, they get stepped on. So I don't think anyone was sorry to see those go. Because there isn't really much of a secret identity thing going on here. Um, no, there's there's a little tips at it when she says, I'm Diana, princess. And then he's Trevor like, stops prince, him. Prince. She's she, my secretary. And she kisses him this look like that's basically a slave. Yeah, because she'd already had that conversation with Etta. Because um, Etta described what her job was. And she says, where I come from, that sounds like slavery. <laughs> and Etta's like, yeah. <laughs> I like her. I like her. <laughs> this movie was hard for me in a lot of ways because of all of the war stuff. Because I am a very empathetic person. Yeah, and it was a very bloody war. It was a horrible war. And we were discussing this over lunch. That all of these new things were invented to kill people. 
Oh yeah, the tank, the flamethrower, the machine gun, gas weapons, the gas mask, razor wire. There's a bunch of things that were designed during this war. The first war to use airplanes, I think, too. Yep. So they are a bit of a joke because you could pick up a brick and throw it and hit the canvas of a plane and bring it down. Mm-hmm. So If they get low enough. Yeah, they didn't have quite as much of an impact as planes did in the Second World War. But uh, they still had an impact. And, of course, there's this whole big thing about how Ares is returning or has returned and Diana's mission is to go kill her at him. Excuse me. There's supposedly this god-killer weapon, which we both thought was a MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah. It's like, a sword? Really? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's a weapon that can kill a god. I think a Diana is a weapon that can kill a god. Because she was brought to life by a god. Yeah, because so. only a god can kill a god. Cause, uh, and since she's not of human born. No, and she's not uh, Amazonian. Nope. She's a god. She was brought to life by Zeus, yeah. created by Zeus. She is a god. They had to walk a really fine line between her kicking ass and being empathetic. They walked quite a few fine lines with her character. The whole, is she too innocent or is she too well-trained? They didn't want to dumb her down too much, being the fish out of the water thing. Mm-hmm. But you also don't want to overpower her and make her kind of boring because she has no flaws. It's just like you have to find that tricky path in between. And I think they did. Well, it does help to have a woman directing. Right. Unless Patty is somehow a man's name. <laughs> and the thing is, she's not naive about how things work, but she is naive about human behavior because well, she hasn't been exposed to it until now. And she watches all of these men treating her like she's nothing. And she just doesn't even accept it. Oh, no, especially in the war room where women weren't allowed. And the fact that she was in there quiet everybody down. Mm-hmm. And then when this general says that it's a soldier's duty to die, and she turns on him and says, you, you, you're a coward. You're sitting here behind a desk. Where I come from, generals are on the front line with their troops. Yeah, you're sacrificing people for no reason. Yep. You you don't care that they are dying. And these are innocent people who are fighting your war. And you should all be ashamed of yourselves. Oh, yeah. She let them have it. Yep. Good on her. So, yeah, she made a few thousand waves among the uh, military leaders there. And, well, she should have. Yeah, it definitely does have an anti-war flavor to it. Well, you know, what does war get us? Exactly. It gets us a lot of death. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. Because... Does anyone really win? No. Oh, you, you just don't have win casualties on either side. You don't win a war. You just eventually agree to stop fighting. That's, yep. There's no way to win a war. And even the armistice for the First World War just led to resentment that's built up to, into the Second World War mm-hmm. because of reparations asked of Germany that the country was bankrupt and that left the door open for a dictator. Yep. It left him open for a Trump. Mm-hmm. Bitterness, anti-socialism. So you get a guy coming in telling them that they can be number one again and that they don't have to listen to all these other people. And he's very charismatic and gives great speeches. And all of a sudden you've got Hitler. And then to tie that into some popular fiction at the time that was involving the Aryan race, which were Atlanteans that were the precursors to the Germans and they are warlike race. 
that's who I was talking about when, uh, in the comics, when Steve Trevor's mother crash landed on Paradise Island. She was helping them fight the Atlanteans. The Atlanteans, yep. Because, yeah, according to this popular book series in Germany. Uh, at least Steve gets some before the end. <laughs> That's implied, anyway. When she went into the room and he was closing the door, he was closed the door behind him. Well, like, not in front of him, so he was in the room with her, so that kind of suggested that the two of them got it on that Oh, night. they totally got it on. They totally got yep. it on. Because she would want to know what that's like. Um, see if the 12 treatises of what Cleo were correct, that men are not needed for pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. They're needed for procreation, but, but not, not for, for pleasure. pleasure. Well, it's, he was going to leave. He was outside the door and he was going to close it and she gave him the Yep. She definitely gave gave, the luck. She gave him the invitation. But he was very slow about it Mm -hmm. because, you know, we have to be very careful in this day and age about consent. Yep. And rightly so. Of course, she could kick his ass. Of course. Uh, And he didn't know that yet. Yep. No, he did know that yet. That was after the whole big first battle, her crossing no man's land thing. Yeah, your favorite segment. My favorite segment. Well, I still liked the climax and things like that, but that was... Yeah, you really liked that sequence, that action it, set piece. It gave him a goosebumps. Yep, that she just could not handle the yeah. situation and she had to do something. So she went over the hill and... And know, she went through no man's land. Yeah, and they were and firing their machine guns and launching mortars at her. She just got through it. Yep. Uh, she did get a little help, but uh, she could have done it alone if she had uh, Once to. the machine gunners ran out of bullets, but that would have taken a while. They but, had quite the belt of uh, ammunition. Well, and it was this whole thing where, you know, it's, it's an empathy thing because this woman stops her, this woman holding the baby, and explains to her that the town that they're from is now under the control of the Germans, and they've enslaved everyone that was there. Yeah. And, you know, they have nothing. They have no food. They're going to starve. All of these things. And, you know, this is what she's supposed to do. She's supposed to protect against this sort of stuff. And so she's going to go. And Steve's like, you, we can't save everyone. You know, we can't we can't fight this battle. We can't save everyone. And she's like, that's what I'm supposed to do. And she just throws off the cloak and she climbs that hill and out of the trench and she just does it. Because Trevor's on a mission. He's a spy. He's an American agent assigned to help the British in the war effort. And his whole deal has to do with this Dr. Poison, who's creating, like we were talking about, these weapons of mass destruction Mm. and uh, a hydrogen-based mustard gas that can just eat its way right through a gas mask Mm -hmm. and will kill everyone on either side. Yep. And his deal is to get rid of all this gas the find the facility. manufacturing and, and sabotage it and well, so any any side mission is going to pull him away from that duty so of course he'd be reluctant but the thing is he gave himself that duty because he was explicitly told not to go and he decided yeah. he was going to go anyway right uh because it was the right thing to do and uh, they got unexpected help from the prime minister more on that later <laughs> uh sir patrick Played by David Thewlis, great actor. So once she gets past No Man's Land and they actually get to the town, then she goes and kicks more ass. That's a really great action sequence, too, is you get to see her flip over a tank. You get to see her sliding around a floor, mm. hitting people with their shield and sword, deflecting yeah. bullets with their bracelets. Yeah. Get to see her whipping people around with their lasso. Yeah, I really enjoyed how the lasso was used in the film because it wasn't just for making people tell the truth. Or lassoing somebody. It was used as a weapon. As a whip, essentially. Mm-hmm. 
So, and it was very glowy. Yes, super glowy. So it was a nice uh, spot of color, but uh, I, I did not expect that. You know, I expected the sword and the shield thing because I'd seen that in trailers, but didn't expect the lasso thing, so that was nice. Yeah, you get to see just how powerful she is. Yeah, she and she just keeps growing in power and just really kicking ass. Mm-hmm. So, but she, you know, she forms a bond with these guys, uh, Steve Trevor and his... Uh, his crew, I guess. Well, his right tag team yeah, of misfits. It's uh, his island of misfit toys. His island of misfit toys. Well, there's a word for him in the Marvel universe, but anyway, <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Howling Commandos. Exactly. Yeah, they're a Howling Commando equivalent. Mm-hmm. They got a Scottish marksman. They have an Indian chief, which was kind of touch and go. That's that's exactly what I mean, though. It was a touch-and-go thing. The treatment of that character is like, hmm, I don't know. He's Native American First Nation, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Why did you think it was touch-and-go? I, I don't know. It just, uh, it's tough when you, I mean, the, the smoke signals? I don't know. I, I guess I couldn't be offended if I'm not from that group. Well, the thing is, though, is that that actually was a way that Native Americans communicated with each other. Yeah, I know, and that's that's my point. Is and just because it's been shown in a comedic way, yeah, throughout our lives, that doesn't mean it's not a valid thing. Yeah, I suppose so. It's just I wasn't sh- sure of of the treatment of that character because it was not out and out a racial stereotype, but it was it was towing the line, I guess. I didn't find him to be a racial stereotype. Okay, maybe that was just me. I mean, he was he was doing what he wanted to do. Yeah, that made that pretty clear. Is like, why are you here? Well, I have nowhere else to go. Because I'm I'm not really fighting the war per se. Yeah. Though apparently he was on the front line before because everybody recognized him. Well, I think they recognized him from supplying them. With oh stuff. yeah, he's a smuggler. Yeah, he's a smuggler. Yeah. And he didn't really choose a side, but he did. Yeah. He did choose a side in the end because he stayed with the not howling commandos and helped like, them. Like when he ran off and got one of the uh, Nazi vehicles so they could go to the gala. It's like, just where'd you find that? Them. Oh, there's a field full of them just over there. <laughs> He's resourceful. Mm-hmm. Very resourceful. Gets people what they want. Yeah. And uh, gets paid well for it. So he said, you know, at least here I'm free. Yeah, and he didn't even care about the money that much because that's something Diana kind of pointed at him. He's like, what, for cash? And he's like, eh, don't really need it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is just what I'm doing right now. Yeah, it's just, this is what I want to do, so this is what I'm doing mm-hmm. sort of person. So. And then they had the actor guy who speaks all these languages, so that was a fun little thing because Diana can speak a ton of languages too. Yes, but apparently he doesn't speak ancient Greek. No. Nope. So she had him on that one. Yep. Well, and it was because of her they found out what gas they were making because he had stolen this, uh, sorry, Steve Trevor had stolen this notebook. Uh, he had gone undercover as a German pilot to fly this general to see to this facility where I can't remember the actual character's name. I want to say it's Maru. Yeah, it sounds uh, like it. And she uh, had this notebook in which she had all of these things written down, of course, and he stole it and made a run for it and got chased and shot down. And that's how he ended up on Paradise Island. Yep. And then the people seeking him, the Germans, I mean, that's that was a pretty intense scene. That was earlier on in the film is when mm-hmm. the Germans discovered Paradise Island and there was a big battle between the, the Germans and, and the Amazons. 
And that's when the ladies found out what bullets can do, because a lot of them died. Mm-hmm. Themyscira is the name, actual name of the yep. island, but we'll call it Paradise Island because that's what everybody knows. Yeah, that was it as, yeah. But yeah, I do like that sequence of her going through No Man's Land and then in turn liberating the town. And then the nice quieter scene afterwards where they've liberated the town and people are dancing and she says, oh, they're not really dancing, they're more like just swaying. They're just standing <laughs> there and swaying. I was like, well, you should see what it's like then. And then she and Trevor dance. She's like, you're so close. It's like, well, that's the point. It's like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Light bulb. Yeah, this isn't celebration dance. This is something else. This is we're glad we're alive dance. This is... Just make the most of it. Yeah, man, woman, physical connection dance. So there, there of course, is this whole who is Aries pretending to be thing. I even thought there's a possibility that Aries had been slain. And that there were no more gods, and this was just man's inhumanity to man that had nothing to do with the ancient gods. And I knew that that wasn't the case, because you don't set off, set up Chekhov's god killer, yeah. like you said, and then not pay it off. There's swords there for a reason. Yeah, except it's not the sword. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, it's a symbol. It's symbolic, really. I mean, it does aid her in the quest up to that point, but then, yeah. So, but they did, I'm not easy to surprise it, right. Especially in movies. They surprised me with who Ares was. They yeah. kind of blindsided me. I did not see it coming. I feel like I should have. But at the same time, I'm like, no. Because I knew it wasn't the German general. That was just too on the nose. Yeah, it was too on the nose. Plus, uh, Dr. Poison or Dr. Moreau was giving him this gas that would enhance his ability. It was like a steroid, more mm-hmm. or less. Yeah. And so I was thinking, well, would a god really need that? No, a god wouldn't need that. Yeah, so that's your signal that he might be super powered but he's not a god and he's only super powered i think because of the gas right exactly so which it's it's difficult to discern because you don't get a lot of information about him i think it was a good villain though oh he was a good villain she was a good villain as well but she was more complicated yeah she was a complex character and her motivation was she's disfigured for one thing and you Mm -hmm. wonder if she's embittered because of that and also, if everybody's being influenced by Ares, their motivation might not be their own. It's, true. It's just a poison tongue telling them what to do. Uh-huh. Kind of like Loki. Yeah. Uh, different universe. Yeah. So, but it's, it's difficult to say because if you want to go back far enough to, in the story, to where that Hippolyta was telling Diana about how, you know, when humanity was first created, they were very happy and everybody was peaceful and got along and stuff like that. And it wasn't until Ares came along that they started, you know, turning against each other. And that could have been something that wove its way into genetics and got passed down from generation to generation, if you yeah. want to look at it that way, but also can be activated or exacerbated by Ares' influence. Ares is a dick. Yeah. Well, he was in the Greek myth, and so yeah, it's fun to carry that dick. over into the Wonder Woman story. Mm-hmm. The Romans loved Mars because the Romans loved war, and so Mars was like their big god. But in the Greek myths, he's a, he's a dickhead. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes Ares. Yeah, and a lot of terrible things Ares was responsible for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's uh, not a lot of good stuff written about Ares because he was a dick. Yeah. So now Minerva, on the other hand, who is the goddess of defensive war, yeah, that's a whole different. Is story. all about applying wisdom in war rather than just reckless anger and 
what have you. Yeah. So we get to our climax where they finally found the manufacturing facility. Diana's convinced that this German general is Ares. And so she goes after him uh, at a party with yep. that sword down her back. Now, you got to think about that for a second. <laughs> okay. With where that sword was. It's between her butt cheeks. Yes. How do you do that? She's really tough. I understand that she's really tough, but this is also supposed to be a god killer sword. It's also so. how did she get into a gala where there's high ranking German officers with a weapon that's clearly visible? They probably thought it was a decoration, and she was a woman. Yeah. The only thing that any of them were looking at was her face. Yeah. And her tits. That's what I thought, too. Well, not the tits part, but what I thought is, like, oh, they were people were just distracted by her beauty mm-hmm. and didn't realize that she was carrying a sword betwixt her butt cleavage. Yeah, because, you know, it wasn't a super long sword, but it was long enough that she had to be clenching. And it's an open back dress, so you clearly not see. Not completely. That. It's actually um, down further in front than it is in back. Okay. The sword was basically right about at her where her a little bit above where her bra strap level is. The okay, so right, right there between the shoulder blades. Yeah, because if it was any lower, she wouldn't have been able to reach. Because it, it would just fell over. Yeah, <laughs> so she had to have it higher up so that she could reach for it and pull yep. it out. And and Steve stops her from doing it, and so she turns on Steve because mm-hmm. the general shortly after that goes out and fires a shell at this town that she liberated and kills them all with this gas. Which she just walks into and is not affected by at all. Nope. Because she's a god. She's a god. She doesn't know she's got yet. They finally find the manufacturing facility and they're going to try and take it down. She's just going to kill this general. She eventually does. Oh, yes. Even though he takes some of the gas and he slaps her around a bit, she still comes out on top, literally. Yep. Puts the sword through him. And then she's so confused when the war doesn't just stop. Yep. And I never thought that guy was Ares. <laughs> So I was just like, just because you can't kill Ares. I didn't think so either. There's just no indication that he was a god. Yeah. But then why would they give us any indication? Yep. Because why would Ares out himself in any way? Yeah. He wouldn't. He's smarter than that. And so as it turns out, it's the Prime Minister. Who we haven't suspected because he's been aiding them all along. Which is the perfect diversion. To get them to that point where he can convince... Diana to join his side and to show her man's inhumanity to man and how far they've gone and that they're not worth saving. They have quite the dust up. Yep. And he uh, he's basically smooshing her uh, with these constricting iron bands that are breaking her, trying to break her. Yeah, he has a kind of telekinesis sort of thing where he can manipulate objects by will. Steve, in the meantime, before that, he had, he, he had to- come to see if she was okay. And then he, we didn't hear any of the conversation because her hearing was messed up. Oh, yeah. Well, there was a tank shell that yeah. launched at her. Or no, it was a bunch of them. Because, yeah. yeah, she threw a crate of grenades at him. No, he threw a bunch oh. of shells at her. And she threw basically a big old warhead sort of thing yeah, at him. But it oh, wasn't it's, nuclear. It started, it's not invented. started with her. I think she threw a crate of grenades at him. He disintegrated the crate and then launched all the grenades back in right. her direction. And then she deflected a With tank a shell sort of thing. Yeah. at at the grenades, and then it blew up in her face and gave her ringing in the ears. They have to stop the plane that's taking off with all of these bombs, and the other guys are going to blow up the factory. <laughs> yeah, crazy-looking biplane. Because... That's even looked at and went, what's that? It's the future. Yeah. <laughs> Hydrogen. Really flammable, mm-hmm. Hindenburg. 
Uh, so yeah, they're they're gonna blow them all up because if the plane crashes anywhere, it's going to poison the atmosphere for fifty miles square. Yeah, and that is unacceptable loss. So Steve's gonna take the plane up and take it as high as he can and then blow it. Right. He basically tells her all of this. We don't hear that, but I'm pretty sure that's what he's telling. Oh her. yeah. He gives her his watch and he runs off to the plane. Mm-hmm. And uh, while she's being nearly killed by these constrictive iron bands, that's when he blows the plane and she goes apeshit. Oh, yeah. Super angry. And then it gets on. Then it gets on. Mm-hmm. Now it's on, bitches. So now she's coming into her godhood. and uh, Yeah, because she basically flexes her uh, heroic aura and the uh, metal constraints around her just blast right off of her. It's kind of... How in um, Age of Ultron, when Quicksilver gets killed and Scarlet Witch feels it, uh-huh. and she screams and falls to her knees and just everything within, like, a, all of these robots within, like, 100-yard radius just destroyed instantly. Yep. That level of... Then we got some Thor lightning powers. Diana is now angry. Yes. And she wants to destroy everything. She wants to just fight everyone, because now what does she have? Because... You know, she basically told Steve, you don't deserve my protection. He's, it's not about deserving. It's about what you believe. And she finally figures out what that means. Right. Ares does his darndest to take her down with his special little lightning powers. <laughs> and she just uh, kind of just absorbs them and, and redirects them. Redirects them right back at him. Yep. Basically Rubber blowing, glue. Blowing, blowing him to bits. Yep. The one thing that I didn't like, besides the obvious speed ramping, God, fucking stop it. Yeah, you really stop it. hurt the pacing of a fight scene if you slow down every time somebody does a jump or a, a spin or, or a kick. It really hurts the pacing of a fight scene. It's so frustrating. thing Jackie Chan says, it's musical. Mm-hmm. You want a rhythm to it. You want a but, 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 but. And when you speed ramp, but, but, uh, but, but. <laughs> It's like a tape player that's broken. Yeah, exactly. Just stop doing it. I understand that you did it for a few films, but there is no rule that says you have to keep doing it. You fuckers are in control of your own goddamn movie, so stop it! Yeah, it's a stylistic choice so connected to Snyder that it's like in everything he does. Well, he's producing everything, so there you go, but it's... You know, there are other people that can make that decision that say, you know what, we don't need to do this. And so that really pissed me off. And there was also uh, when Diana was fighting Ares before she wakes up, so to speak, before she gets woke. (laughs) Yeah. um, (laughs) That he's showing her flashbacks of what had happened, etc., from his point of view and uh, his defeat. And the thing that they did, and this I felt was wrong, was they, they showed a defeated Ares, but they put... David Thewlis's face on this Aries, just as it was, with the mustache. I'm like, with, no! With a Commissioner Gordon-style mustache that just Mm-mm. didn't fit. They should have done full beard. Or nothing. Or nothing. Or just no facial hair at all. The mustache on its own? Because that's a flashback. Why would he be wearing that very modern... You know, contemporary to the First World War style mustache. Mm -hmm. And I like what you said about it when we were at dinner that uh, probably studio executives said, people are too stupid to understand that it's the same character. So you got to make sure that people understand it's the same guy. That this is what he looks like. The exact same face, mustache and all. No. Yeah, it feels like a studio note. Mm -hmm. It was a dumb note. Mm -hmm. It was dumb. 
And I'm pretty sure the director was just like, so that's something that just kind of took me out of it because I just thought, oh, yeah, it's silly. That's just no. It's like, oh, look, it's Commissioner Gordon in armor with a muscly body. Yeah. Wrong. Just wrong. They don't go together. Nope. Just like peanut butter and pickles do not go together. Just wrong. Just wrong. So that was, uh, those are my only two complaints. The speed ramping and the Commissioner Warden mustache on Ares when he was defeated. Two problems. But I found the Warden's war stuff really hard because, again, like I said, I'm an empathetic person. And I can, unfortunately, so well imagine how horrible it was, especially in those trenches. Oh, terrible. People just trying to stay alive, starving to death. And women with babies and not able to feed them. It's just horrifying. Yeah, All Quiet and Western Front's all about that stuff. It's just so, it's so hard on me because I can, I can take it that step further and imagine what it was actually like. Mm -hmm. Most people don't go that far. Unfortunately, I can't help but go that far. There's no turning it off. I can't distance myself. Well, especially when she was crossing the bridge towards the smuggling boat. And they were disembarking with the wounded. Mm -hmm. So it's all these people leaving the front with, like, missing limbs and what have you. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. But she she has to see that. She has to see all of this heartbreak. Because I think it reminds her of what her purpose is and what she's supposed to do, uh, regardless of what Steve thinks that she should do. Yeah. Because he was just seeing it from the point of view of a soldier and a spy. And she was looking at it... From the point of view is, I'm the guardian of this world. Right. And so I'm going to fix this because this is what I do. This is what I'm here for. You know, now she knows she's God, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there was, there was a lot of crying for me. And basically the whole film is a flashback because it starts with her at the Louvre. The Louvre. And she's in charge of, I guess, historic objects, items, that sort of thing, which makes sense. She'd be... You know, into antiques and that sort of thing. Of course. But Wayne Enterprises shows up with a briefcase that they deliver to her. And it's a photo of her with this Howling Commandos group. Yeah. We see that picture being taken. At the liberated city. At the time that it happens in the liberated city. But this was the original. Yep. And it comes with a note of, I found the original. Maybe someday you'll tell me your story. Yep. So, I don't know if that day's going to be anytime soon, Bruce Wayne. (laughs) I'll know that you could understand. Hmm. But uh, she realizes that, yeah, you can't fight war with war. You can only fight hate with love. That's what Wonder Woman is supposed to stand for. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, thankfully they worked that into the film. And, there, oh, there, I forgot to add this. Before they got on the train to get to where the their boat was departing, uh, the docks, that's what I guess, harbor, whatever you want to call it. And they pass by a vendor who gives her an ice cream cone. Oh, yes. <laughs> and she really enjoyed that ice cream cone. And that actually made me giggle because I feel like it was a nod to the Wonder Woman television series. Uh-huh. When her sister Drusilla just shows up. Right. Decides that uh, she's going to go see Diana and bring her home at mm. her mother's request. And she finds, uh, she gets to Diana's apartment and finds ice cream in the fridge. <laughs> and then that's all she wants to eat the rest of the time she's there. So that that tickled me. And it did have its its small bits of comedy. And I feel that that is something that is glaringly lacking in DC movies. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, the bits of fish out of the water stuff is very amusing. Uh, Gal Gadot, very good Wonder Woman. Uh, I was so impressed because when she was cast and I first saw her, I'm like, this is Wonder Woman. She's magnetic. She is. She's magnetic, charismatic, 
And apparently she was pregnant while they were filming. Wow. And she just, when she smiles. Yes. Oh my goodness, when she smiles. And those dark eyes. Oh, uh, she's she's glorious. Mm-hmm. I outwardly and on record poo-pooed her at first when I first heard she was going to be Wonder Woman, and I was wrong. Yeah. She was a great Wonder Woman. And from what people say of the Dawn of Justice, she was the best thing in it for the whole seven minutes she was in. I can't sit through two and a half hours of a movie just for her seven minutes. That's why um, special features exist and chapter headings exist, which I'm not going to go out and buy the movie. I have no desire to sit through that mess because it just I know too much about it to know that it would just make me angry. Yeah. I don't like the casting of Lex Luthor, and mm-hmm. I don't like the fact that they stopped fighting because they have the same name for their mothers. Oh, <laughs> fuck you. Oh, and Justice League looks horrible. It just looks like they took this big bucket and put everything in the universe into it and then dumped it out and said, here's your movie. And dumped it out on a green screen and Mm -hmm. then just painted it in grayscale behind it. Yeah, I just don't care. Which really makes me sad because Jason Momoa is like the perfect casting for Aquaman. That ain't my Barry Allen. Where's Martian Manhunter? Yeah, where's Martian Manhunter? Where's Arrow? Where's all of these other people? It's like, we see Batman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and Flash. Cyborg. And Cyborg. We did see Cyborg. I liked Cyborg. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't think he can save that film. Nope. Because the thing that they haven't figured out, they haven't figured out how to do a team movie yet. (laughs) I think that's obvious. I can't even do a team-up movie on a team movie. I was surprised that I liked Wonder Woman as much as I did. Because I wasn't sure that DC could ever make a movie that I would like again. And I hope more people are going to it. Because to have a female superhero, it's encouraging to have people go out to see it. Because it's a double standard. um, The Daily Show was talking about this. Is that you can make all the shitty male superhero movies. And they'll keep making them. Mm -hmm. You make one shitty female superhero movie, suddenly you can't make another one. I mean, look how long it took after, like, Elektra and Catwoman to get another one. Just because a female-led movie doesn't work, it doesn't mean because it's because of women. It means that you don't know how to fucking write for women. You want a woman that can kick ass, then write her like you would a man, Mm. as far as her abilities. Because that's why Ripley worked so well in Alien. The character was originally written as a man. But I think with Wonder Woman, part of her charm is her femininity. Exactly. And that's what you have to do with Wonder Woman. Because her thing is love. Right. That is Wonder Woman's thing. Or compassion. That too. Love and compassion. But she's also got to be able to kick ass. And you think those things are mutually exclusive? No, they are not. What if you start messing with a mama bear's cubs? Do you think that that mama bear is just going to let you do that? (laughs) No. She becomes a mama bear. Mm -hmm. You know, when you threaten a woman, she will rise to the occasion. So don't mess with women because we're protectors and we're guardians. And we will fuck you up if you try to fuck us up. With love. With love. With love. Yeah. Peace and love. 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 With peace and love. Sorry, we're doing like so many inside jokes you guys don't even know. Oh, <laughs> people know the Ringo Star thing. Well, so is that it, do you think? Kind of did from credits to credits. Yeah, we kind of did. It, oh, God, the stupid song in the credits. Jesus. Yeah, that's the was, was it. That? The singer from Florence and the Machine and duet with somebody else, I think. I don't even know. I couldn't even understand what the fuck they were singing about. It was terrible. Yeah, it just didn't fit. Did not fit. 
And the thing is, Marvel learned that lesson after the first Avengers movie, where there was that stupid fucking song in the credits. That yeah, the Foo Fighters song that was like, what? Yeah. Did everybody hate that? I thought it was just us. No, pretty much everybody hated it. Really? Because people love Foo Fighters. Yeah, well, that doesn't mean that it matched the movie. True. So I think that uh, the reaction to that wised them up, and you didn't ever hear a song again in the credits that didn't match the movie. Right. At least I haven't. That's good, because, so, yeah, this did not quite fit. It was It almost jarring. sounded like it should have been like a Lord of the Rings thing or something. It I was, don't know. It was just very jarring. It was almost like trip-hop-ish. It just didn't fit the tone. Yeah. Did not care for it at all. Yep. But I did care for Wonder Woman very much. Yay! And I would pray that she gets another solo movie. That'd be nice to see her in World War Two. Yep. It would. The Return well, of Ares. Or just be in modern times. That too. You know? You don't have to go back into history. You can, mm -hmm. but you don't have to. Yeah, it'd probably be too similar to the film we just watched if you did, did another world war. I feel like I want a lot of Wonder Woman stuff. I've always liked Wonder Woman. Always, oh, yeah. always, always. And when I was little and the television series was running, you know, I used to make bracelets out of construction paper and tape them to my wrists, <laughs> make myself a tiara. I've done it all. But I don't have a single Wonder Woman t-shirt because I have not found one I liked. Well, you'll have to do some searching. Yeah, I will. I have to see what they have on Tea Turtle because mm -hmm. I love the adorable Tea Turtle shirts. Maybe get you a Wonder Woman pop or a Wonder Woman Lego. Indeed. Well, there is a Wonder Woman Lego. They're advertising it on Facebook right now. Nice. <laughs> And, and it's the movie version, so which I will basically take any version of Wonder yeah. Woman. But I am pleased that I enjoyed this film because I really wasn't sure that I would. And though it had its little niggles, it wasn't enough to ruin it for yeah, me. Yeah, there are a few and far between. Yeah, just a couple of thing, things like smuggling in the sword, the Ares mustache, the speed ramping. Mm -hmm. yeah. The smuggling in the st uh, in the sword makes me laugh more than anything else. Yeah, it's so silly that you just roll with it. You went, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, she's got to get the sword in there somehow. Why not just hang a lantern on it? And go, yep, we know this is stupid, but we're going to do it anyway. Well, it kind of looks like a decoration if you don't know it's a sword. Yeah, it almost looks like jewelry mm -hmm. because it does have a very ornate. Hilt yep. and guard. She looks really good in blue. Because she could have strapped that to her thigh. But, yeah. uh, I don't know that it would have worked that way yeah, because the, of the hilt. The streamline the guard. Of, of the gown. Yeah, you can't. It really... would have to have a bustle, and she doesn't do bustles. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yay. And uh, I think it's something that I will eventually own. If you didn't enjoy it, I'm sorry. You're welcome to yeah. not enjoy it. Yeah, people like what they like. Yeah, exactly. And they don't like what they don't like. And since it's been a very long time since I have liked a DC movie, it was refreshing to like one. Doesn't mean I'll like any of the rest of them. Yeah, I'm not even going to visit any of the other ones. I have no interest. No. I, I this don't one even. I had interest. Well done. And hopefully it will get the recognition that to, of the character that I think it deserves. Yeah, it was a hard weekend to tell if it was selling. And there's a bunch of people we know that went and saw it and loved it. But yeah, for this Saturday... It wasn't a big crowd, but like we said, it seems like everybody's out of town, so that might not be indicative of how well the film's doing. Well, I can look it up online. Yeah, see their box office, and hopefully it just stays. It's not one of those things that, you know, it starts strong and then dies off really quickly, because I think that's what happened to Suicide Squad. It had a decent opening and then 
nobody was going. Wonder Woman soars to record-breaking $39 million Friday. Oof! So good. How did... Wonder Woman could change Hollywood. Let's hope. Yes. Wonder Woman shatters records with $200 million worldwide opening. Well, there we go. Okay, that, that answered that question, so there, there goes my concerns. Wonder Woman breaks glass ceiling for female directors. You know, honestly, I think that that was the right way to go, because if this had been directed by a man, I just don't think it would have turned out the way that it did. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it would have been very cookie-cutter. And I'm, and I'm not saying that women are better directors than men or vice versa, but I'm saying that a woman director would have a different insight into a Wonder Woman movie. And this needed a different approach than the other DC movies. Definitely. Because those were really getting bogged down by their own shittiness. Yes. I also did appreciate that uh, Linda Carter and Gal Gadot had pictures taken together at the... Uh, the premiere premiere because and they even gave her special thanks in the credits yeah well she helped really popularize the character she made the character very well known and i i love linda carter i love that woman so more power to her she passed the torch and she passed it well and it's about time somebody got to pass the fucking torch (laughs) about time we got a female superhero done right yep Oh, and I forgot to tell you, um, I can't even remember who shared it. One of my friends posted it. Oh, it was Karen. It was a tweet from Joss Whedon (laughs) saying, I saw Wonder Woman in a theater by myself weeks ago, so there has been a men-only showing, assholes. (laughs) 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 So, you know... Because there was there was a theater chain in Texas. Well, apparently they've spread out from Texas. It's beyond. the Draft House, right? The Alamo Draft House. They had a special women's only showing, and then it sold out, and so they added another one. And there were a lot of people getting butt hurt about it. Yeah, a lot of men, men's activists. And so they're like, it's discrimination. Well, is it discrimination when it's a veterans only showing? Is it discrimination when you only get to go because you were a Salt Lake Comic Con ticket holder? Is it discrimination then? Is it? Mm-hmm. What is discrimination? Well, when the film is still released and you can go to a different cinema to see it. Yeah. Discri- this is a screening. Mm-hmm. This isn't exclusive. It's a party. Let's say a corporation bought all the tickets to this one screening mm-hmm. and you were not a member of that corporation, so you didn't get to see it. Is that discrimination? No, it's not. Because it's not the only screening. Yes. Discrimination is when you completely exclude a group of people from ever doing something, seeing something, experiencing something, etc. Yeah, you can go to a different screen to see the same movie this group of women are. Just they're going to keep your fucking noisy, complaining ass away from these women so they can watch the movie in peace and not feel threatened by your... Cat. Privileged, assholeish behavior. And your cat calling. Yeah. And, yeah. Just allow women to watch a movie in a safe place for a change. The interesting thing is, is I never felt like the women were being objectified in the film. Never once felt that way. Even in the Wonder Woman outfit, I never felt like she was being objectified. Yeah, and the bare legs, if it was a Roman centurion, you would have seen the same amount of skin. Well, the thing is, her legs weren't bare. Those boots came up over her knees. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were armor. Yeah, you see thigh, but like I said, in certain Swords and Sandals films, you see the same sort of thing. Absolutely. And I know I have poo-pooed her outfit in the past, 
But I think that in this film, it was not in your face. It was not meant to objectify. None of that. Yeah, the skirt's better than a swimsuit bottom. I mean, if anyone was objectified, it was Steve. (laughs) Yeah, because he's basically holding his junk and naked for the rest of it. So So I appreciated that. And, and, and of course, the, the whole thing was, well, if you had a men's only screening, you know, people would be up in arms. Are you going to limit men to seeing this movie only forever and ever? And I don't care. <laughs> girls have girls' nights out all the time. Men mm-hmm. have men's nights out all the time. The thing is, is the old white men are the what have the privilege in this country. That's why it's a problem. When you are the oppressor, yes, it's a problem, you know, but... We could go on about this forever. Yep. I don't have an issue with it. I have an issue with the people making a stink about it because... Oh, the guy who wrote the letter to the mayor of Austin? That was a bad idea. Yeah, the mayor just roasted the guy. He's like, oh my gosh, I just wanted to let you know that someone has hacked your email account and written this ridiculous and scathing and moronic email. (laughs) I mean, imagine people thinking that you believe this and this and this, which is all the stuff that the guy wrote. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just... Who thinks that, those things in the modern age? Yeah. It was just, it was glorious. I'm like, well done, Mayor of Austin. Yeah, I was wondering if we're going to get around to that. I was I was very impressed. If you want to see the story, you can find it online. Very oh, yeah, it's easily. all over Facebook. I didn't even read the letter because I just didn't want to Don't give subject him your time. myself to that. But apparently one person in the comments had said, it's great how he says in the beginning that he doesn't hate women and yet then calls them, calls them the inferior gender and yeah, all this other stuff. Class. Second class gender. Yeah. Some, second rate. Second rate. Second rate that gender. Was oh, you're not a woman hater. You're not a misogynist. Yet you think lesser of women. Well, well, what do you think misogyny and sexism means? Yeah. And that's all learned behavior. It comes from their fathers, passed down to their sons. Teach your sons to value women. Yeah. That they are equals. And teach your children, teach your girls that they can play with any toy they want. And teach your boys that they can play with any toy they want. If your boy wants a pink bed for his baby doll, then buy it for him. If your daughter wants, you know, Tonka toys, buy them for her. Don't contribute to this gender division. There are not toys for girls and for boys. They are just toys. Let them choose what they want. That's all I have to say. Indeed. Stop the gender division at birth. Yeah. Stop it. Treat them like people. Don't discern between genders. (laughs) Pink is not for girls. Blue is not for boys. They're just colors. That's just some stupid rule someone made up. Why do we keep adhering to it? Okay, seriously, I'm going to stop. Shoutouts? Shoutouts! Hey! Hey! My shoutout is to a podcast called World War G. It's another Utah podcast. I believe they're here in Ogden as well, or close to. Close to it. It's Troy Wood and A.J. Warner. We actually met A.J. Warner. He is a listener to the Twilight Zone podcast. Cool. And so uh, World War G, it's a geek cast, and they do tons of reviews of video games, television, movies, just all your geeky culture stuff. Seem to discuss a lot of television in particular. Hmm. But even their logo has, you know, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Star Trek, Harry Potter. Coexist. So, yeah, we had a mention on an episode of World War G because AJ was there for our live recording. And he talked about our, our World Gothé show. I think was that I think that's the first time he's been. Yeah, that was the first time he, he had been. And then he returned the next week and you guys were talking about video games. Mm-hmm. 
and comic books. Yeah, because he was asking what we were reading. I was like, oh, yeah, I was reading Squirrel Girl. <laughs> She's like, oh. And I'm finally reading Spider-Gwen. Yep. And loving every second of it. I'm reading Squirrel Girl as well, and just, it's delightful. It is so it's delightful. Hilarious. It really, really is. Yep, so that's my shout-out. Check them out, since you're into geeky stuff. So, yeah, we're pretty much kindred spirits in that regard. My shout-out, and I, I don't even think they listen to our podcast, and I don't care. Uh, speaking of Texas, John and Nicole Lambeth. Oh, they're awesome. Are two of the most awesome people on this planet. Uh, we are friends on Facebook, and their posts are amazing. Especially John's anti-Trump stuff. Oh, my God. But not only that, yeah. um, Nicole's a nurse, and sometimes things are difficult. Yeah. Uh, but the stuff they post about their kids... <laughs> They are the best parents. Yes, yes, <laughs> just... indeed. John, I think, is a friend through Dark Horizons. Yes, I would I would think that's correct. Yeah. That feels right. I just adore the two of them. I think that they're great people. That's a good shout-out. I, I concur. I second that shout-out. They are just amazing, and I love every every story. Yeah, anytime they, they pop up on Facebook, it's like, yay, the Lambeths. Yep, because they always have something to say that interests me and their their children are going to be amazing adults <laughs> having those two as parents so parenting you're doing it right Woo-hoo. so there we go so uh another two weeks before we record again indeed and we will have another new topic that we already have picked out yeah and we should be able to catch up on the topic at hand so we'll mm-hmm. be able to discuss it in its many flavors, I guess you wanted to say. Incarnations. Incarnations. Pieces. Yeah. yeah. Chapters. Chapters. Assortments. Verses. Varieties. Psalms. <laughs> All right. So uh, from Ogden, Utah, I guess that's the two of us bidding you farewell. I've been DJ Evil Dave. And I've been Dr. Brand with Sexy Boys. Catch you next time. Bye. The intro to the Dark Corner podcast is starting over again by the Dolly Rocks. The outro is Closure by Chemical Waves. You're listening to them right now. Have feedback? Send it to thedarkcornerpod at gmail.com. You can also hit us up at the Dark Corner Podcast Facebook group and the Dark Corner Podcast fan page. Follow us on Twitter at Dark Corner Cast. If you have the chance, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Why not also check out other fine podcasts on gentlemansgrindhouserecords.com. Speaking for Dr. Brandy Sexy Voice, I've been Evil Dave. Thanks for listening. Gentlemen's Grand House Records.com <laughs>